This podcast is a member of WGPRN, wildgamesproductions.com. Good morning, everybody. This is DM Vince sitting here for the Roll for Initiative podcast. This is day number two of the North Texas RPG Con. I am sitting in solo right now as DM Glenn from Save or Die has been... uh, He's enjoying a game of his own, so I'll be grabbing people, various people here and there to get an interview. So uh, stay tuned for some great interviews as we're going to pull someone in right now. So first up today, I'm sitting with the legendary Frank Menser, our wonderful guest is from the past he's always been a wonderful guest frank how are you today oh doing real good now that i've had my coffee on a saturday morning playing any games today uh a little bit of everything uh oddly this year doug asked me to bring down my collection called that i call simple gifts these are all generally family board and card games that all have amazing design elements but are virtually unknown stretching back as early as the 1930s for some of the ones I brought all the way on up to present. And every one of them can be played inside of 10 minutes and by non-gamers. Wow. Is that some of the games we were playing yesterday? Is that what you meant? Exactly. We were playing Hive um, yesterday and uh, Cathedral. Although I'm well known for role-playing and my history is wargaming and board games, I do have a substantial board game collection, family board, and I really enjoy exposing... Uh, some of the obscure gems of history, I feel, as a game designer, that, that are just wonderful, overlooked little items. And so I bring those. Very often I'll seek out folks that are working at the convention, folks who are obviously not hobby gamers who are here helping out and showing them, yes, you're part of our community. Here's a game that we can all play, and maybe your kids will enjoy, and so forth. So it's a side that they aren't expecting from a hardcore role-playing convention like this one. Is that what you're doing mostly this whole entire weekend, is doing uh, the board games? And Oh, no. Uh, I try and set aside a few hours on two days, if I have the time, during any convention that I bring these to. But... Um, I, I cannot get away from a convention without role, running a bunch of role-playing things and so forth. So I actually started that off Wednesday night before the con. They brought me in early, and we had a, a rousing 12-player game that lasted five hours, and nobody would even take a break. They were just so intensely embedded. So that was a great way to kick off the con. And then another role-playing game Friday night, and then another one tonight, Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking at you officially on the schedule. I'm looking through the book. Is mm-hmm. he- well, the simple gifts, uh, the, the family board thing that I'm doing today is more of a pickup thing. It's, hey, you want to play a game between your events uh, or on your way to lunch, something like that. So it's not actually on the schedule. So what are some of the simple games that you brought other than Hive and Cathedral? Uh, Hive is one that I think is one of the great game designs of the last decade. Yeah. Um, uh, it's where you place tiles out that have bugs on them. There's a placing mode, and then at once a piece is on the board, you can move it in accordance with how that bug would move, such as the grasshopper jumps in a straight line. The spider crawls only a certain amount, etc. 
uh, Cathedral, one of the all-time classics. You can't even copyright the doggone thing anymore. It goes back so far, although you can give it a name like Mattel did and say this is Cathedral versus any of various other names. But it's the shape placement game with both sides absolutely equal. Five-minute game piece of cake yeah. and I've had some folks addicted for life after I've shown them that why didn't I find this you know back in the old days it's a clever of. little game you, you definitely kicked my butt in that game the the problem is that you can't find it for sale in retail so you have to keep an eye on yard sales or oh. eBay but it's always dirt cheap uh, Hive is by contrast is currently available uh, we do ask that you pay maybe five bucks more and get order it through your local game store instead of ordering off the internet remember support the local community and then it'll be there for you later when you need it support the local brick stores yeah definitely. absolutely any writing you've been doing recently or little bits here and there um, I've been focused on a variety of other matters lately uh, so this year I did bring back for example two golden oldies. Uh, one is a game that I proposed to use for the RPGA in 1981, but it's more war game oriented using okay. fantasy role-playing combat rules. And we were transitioning out of role-playing at the, or out of war gaming at the time yeah. and into role-playing, full immersion. So the timing was wrong. TSR decided not to publish this one at that time. But then it's been forgotten for the next 35 years. And I'm bringing that back after over 30 years for this year's convention circuit. It's called Battle Royal, if you want to check it out. I'll be doing that, I think, out in uh, Seattle and a variety of other conventions that I'll be at this year. Probably Gen Con, I would assume. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we got that. What are your thoughts on the new edition coming out? I think it looks good. Um, we have, many of us have been sadly awaiting more support from Wizards of the Coast for two years now as they, Mike Merles and company have been focused on doing the absolute best job they could after, I, let me mention, I think 4E is a good design for a tactical war game with some role-playing elements that, that's figure-based, face-based. It, it satisfies the market they aimed it at. Yeah. I think the problem was that they named it just D&D &D instead of saying this is a D&D war game. Um, as a result, I think that turned a lot of people off. Paizo, of course, benefited hugely having Pathfinder there and ready and with outstanding moves on their part such as giving away the rules free at first you know when they were in playtest when Pathfinder first came out yeah. I don't know how many of you remember that I have the alpha um, beta book from Gen Con that yeah, they gave out uh, everybody for free I was like and, and Wizards has followed that model yeah. you know you can get into 5e the same way absolutely free you can buy things to go with it I like the tiered incremental method of add however much you want of these real complexities to tailor the needs of your gaming group it's, it's smart moves on Wizards part however I think in this day and age and considering that they are owned by Hasbro and do not have their own independent volition I think within five years you're going to see that paper and pencil gaming fade back and be less important in the eyes of the business dudes looking for return on investment, how much they're putting in to pay people, artists, and so forth, and just not seeing the returns that they'd like compared to, for example, online gaming, D&D uh, &D online, other things like that. So I think we may see Wizards pull out of the pencil and paper game market entirely within five years, leaving my friends at Paizo Publishing 
essentially in charge of that field, you know, the dominant leader. We will see what happens. I could be totally wrong. You know, Wizards could come booming back with five and, and recapture the bulk of the market. We shall see. You think, would they go totally digital or just completely out of D&D entirely, you think? I think they will explore digital marketing options far more than paper. Um, yeah. In the gaming groups that I play with these days, some game masters refuse to permit digital yeah. devices at the table. Some game mem uh, masters refuse to permit books at the table, like my friend Tim Cass. I'm the reverse. I don't care what de uh, electronic devices, paper, whatever you bring to the game. It's you, your participation, your role-playing is what I want. Now, if I, you have your cell phone and you're spending time texting, well, maybe your character might get killed accidentally while you're not paying attention. My goodness. So there's a certain <laughs> amount of mutual respect I do demand in the course of the game. But I have no problem. And although us old guys are not as accustomed to the digital media for reference as a lot of the younger folks, nevertheless, you look at bookmarked PDFs and the ease of pulling up rules chart references, game rules question, there's no question that this is the reference book of the future for gaming. It's, we're just transitioning. At the I moment. have to say, when it comes to reading a book and learning about something such as something for first edition or whatever. I like to actually have the book in my hand to read, to feel mm -hmm. it. When it comes to referencing, I like to have my iPad and just punch in what I'm looking for, searches, it finds it. Well, I go to the movies, but I also go to live shows. Yeah. The movies did not wipe out live performances. Oh, no. I was no. just at an opera a month ago uh, in, in Wisconsin. So I think the, those who portray this as doom, gloom, either or, you have to have paper or you have to have digital and not the other, it's all going to blend out. It'll oh, shake yeah. out and there will be a mix of both. There's a time and a place for both. I like to sit and read a good book. I don't like to sit and read a nice Kindle by the nice warm digital fire. You know, I'm old-fashioned in some respects. Yeah, I can't do that either. My wife loves her Kindle and will read that before a book, but I don't know. I have to read a book myself. I can't, I can't do the Kindle thing. Maybe it's because I'm old now too. You know how it happens. <laughs> so is, uh, has Wizards tapped you for anything that you could talk about, or did they approach you in any way? Or Actually not, and I approached them. Um, given my background in publication, I thought they might be interested in at least using me to some extent in conjunction with either D Redbox 30th anniversary last year Something. or the new 5th edition this year. But I've received absolutely no replies, not even a, a back channel hint that they might be interested in my participation whatsoever. On the other hand, I go back with some of the top Paizo folks to when, for example, Lisa Stevens was part of the Greyhawk crew maintaining the campaign when Gary and I were writing materials. We were still at TSR. You know, she goes that far back to the roots. And then that new kid, Eric Mona, who's now the publisher of the entire company, uh, when he was first getting involved with, with the RPGA things and so forth. So I have, I have long-standing roots with the Paizo folks. Lisa Stevens, anything she touches turns to gold, it seems like. She's been involved in so many major things. Sure. Spizo, good business. with Darkness. Any industry needs good shining stars like that. You're going to have She's plenty very of smart. also rents. She knows what people want. She knows who to hire to get it done. So hopefully Wizards, I don't understand why Wizards wouldn't tap you. Maybe they're trying to keep away from the older. I don't know. They, they seem to be pro 
Well, from one point of view, frankly, I'm an old guy who used to write stuff. It's all very nice that uh, I'm, I'm out there and I'm available, but does it meet their needs? I mean, when I go looking for assets, whether it's financial or research assets for whatever the project I'm on, I'm looking for the right tool for the job. And I obviously just didn't meet the parameters that they need for this marketing campaign. Now, that's no diss on them, and it's no, not saying no. that they're mad at me or anything. No, no, I just, understand that. You would think with their emphasis on backwards compatibility, old school, how they want to mix in the older crowds with the newer crowds to just make everybody form the union together, that they would at least consult with you or Tim or somebody. I know Mike himself, Mike Merrill himself, is a first edition player from back right. in the day. Maybe he's using his own knowledge to bring things forward, but it would have been nice if they included some of you guys in there for the experience. See I what you thought. One thing I do believe is that Wizards and Hasbro seem to maintain an America-centric market approach. And I have found huge appreciation for both my red box and the entire old school movement amongst Europeans, for example, especially Scandinavia, very big out there, Australia, yeah. uh, Japan. Right. Many areas are really big on the roots of the game. They appreciate the new developments and they'll dabble in them, but they go back to the roots when they want to play very often. Whereas in this country, my edition, Redbox, etc., was received in a far different environment where people had already moved on at the time to advanced D&D yeah. due to the successful marketing of, yeah, you want to move up to the advanced version, don't you? And so I got labeled kiddie D&D for a while until things like the Companion Masters and Immortal sets came out and everybody realized, holy cow, this is an entire viable system that goes beyond AD&D. So they ended up both surviving to this day. I think in the United States, that the old-school market share is 10% or less of the role-playing market, and I'm greatly giving them the benefit of a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, some say 5%, some say 2% or less. That's where my heart lies. That's where a lot of your hearts lie, folks, uh, listening to this. But in the U.S. market, it's microscopic. And it's not a factor that they're worrying about. But I think they err, and I know Paizo does not err in this line, in underestimating the appeal of old school and of the, the roots of this. And, and not just D&D, including Tunnels and Trolls and, and Met Alpha and, and all the various games. It's much bigger globally than the U.S. only or, or North American data would indicate. Absolutely. Somebody's going to wake up at some point and seize that market share, and I very much suspect the way things are going that it'll once again be Lisa Stevens with Paizo instead of the Wizards folks. Paizo seems to pay attention to their fans. Indeed. Unlike uh, other companies, but we'll see what happens after 5th edition comes mm -hmm. out, and we'll see what happens what they do. I urge the listener to give them the benefit of the doubt. Go ahead and try. The, I mean, it, the, the starter is free. Take a look at it. Exactly. And if you want, drop less than 20. On, on expanding that with the first product, and the like, you don't have to drop the 150 on the hardbacks. Dummy, look at Amazon. You can pre-order at half price right now. Yeah, 12 okay. bucks. So, or, or less, exactly. So, um, Who's it going to hurt? Nobody. Exactly. And it'll give you more options. Maybe you'll find a few ideas, stick them on the shelf, along with all your other source books. Exactly. You pick it up, give it a try. That's what I did with 4th edition. I tried it. I looked sure. at it. Didn't like it. And who knows? Maybe they'll convert us. Maybe they'll convert all of us and come up with a fabulous product. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say. Well, I don't know about that, Frank. <laughs> I'm still stuck with first edition. I've always loved it. 
I run both first and original edition. Just last night, I ran a, an event called Back to 1974, where we don't even haven't even reached the Greyhawk supplement. There are no thieves. It's no variable weapon damage. And you find when you reduce it to the basics, how it first appeared, you suddenly realize how flexible, how fast, how much fun it is if you have a decent game master. And I like to think that I do pretty decent in that respect. I want to see you run more Immortals box set. That's an idea. Maybe I'll develop an adventure for that and uh, do that in the next year's. I love the Immortal Box ever since we've been talking since Gen Con many years ago. And I was like, oh, Frank, come here. And sat you down and had to talk about Immortals and then talk to you on the forums. I've been waiting for you to run a game for that because no one plays it. Right. Because no one um, understands it, I think. Possibly. I mean, all plenty of people understand it, just they don't understand how to apply it because we did not, I did not get the okay to provide sufficient guidelines. In a way, it's similar to 4E in approach. It's a whole new way of using existing role-playing yeah. rules in a whole new setup. Now, that lost market in both 4E and in Immortals, you know, didn't grab people, but it needed the right support to do it. So that's an interesting idea. It's a D&D-based game, but it's really a whole new trip. Well, yeah. Might be an idea to sit down and maybe clarify that for everybody. And uh, Yeah, one of these days. One of those days, yeah. Throw those rules out there. Of course, the core problem is that it's just a hobby affair. Nobody's going to pay me to write or run an Immortals adventure. So, Unless you come to the North Texas RPG Con. Yeah, maybe I should talk to Doug about it. Frank, thank you for sitting down with me today. Anytime, Vince. Hope you See you on the flip side. Take care. Right now I'm joined by DM Glenn. Uh, Glenn. Hey. Glenn just got done with his game. He was playing uh, Thundar, the Barbarian, right? That was fun. Mutant Future, Thundar, yeah. So we decided to wrangle in a, a special guest from Paysetter Games, Bill Barsh. That's correct. Yeah. Bill, tell us a little bit about your company. Well, I started Paysetter up about uh, six years ago now. We do uh, first edition AD&D modules and adventures, supplements, that kind of thing. Um, try and keep that niche going and, and promote the old school hobby and uh, stay busy with it and try to make a couple of conventions a year. Now, do you write them yourself or solicit other authors? We do both. Uh, most of them are mine. Um, some of them come are 20, 30 years old, honestly, and uh, we just kind of clean them up, set them up for publication, and, and get them going. And, but then we've had a couple other authors do modules, too. Uh, they all seem to be received very really well, so happy with it. That's good. That's good. So have you been with this convention since the beginning? Yes, I came down. Uh, I happened to be working in Memphis, Tennessee, on a project. Uh -huh. uh, my real job, because Pay Center is not the, not my real what job, but do? I'm a construction manager, oh, okay. project construction manager. And we had a job going in Memphis, Tennessee, and heard through the internet forum that this convention was going on. I took a drive down here, and I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Great. To me, if, if you got to come to one, this is the one. That's right. That's what I always said. Yep. You know, this is this is like uh, Gary Gary Con with less cold. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's quite cold up there. Yeah. So you've, you've written a lot of these, too? Yeah, probably most of them. I mean, like I said, we've had a couple other authors do it, and then uh, we've reprinted uh, uh, some others, like other We Warrior stuff okay. from Pete Kirsten, we, you know, the first Palace of the Vampire Queen. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Well, that's good. And that's you have good. both print and PDF available, right? 
We do very few PDF oh, okay. things. I'm a old school guy, so uh, our modules are print modules. They're uh, we produce them just like the old TSR modules. You know, and I'm not trying to piggyback on them or anything like that. But I think people like the format. It, 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 it's it's comfortable format. for them, right? Yeah. So uh, the the covers are separate. The, the maps are often on the inside of the covers, and you got your adventure book. Two-column two layout and all Two-column layout. Uh, you know, we got we try to get classic illustrations as much as we can um, and, and, and keep it familiar for people and try not, you know, we do try to innovate here and there, too, and you got to stay up with the times. You want to do something that's 35 years old. That presentation can get old, too. Yeah, so, but uh, try not to stray too far. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so what do you got going? I mean, what, what's what's your newest uh, product right now? Our newest release right now is uh, we got a few of them, and we always uh, the North Texas Convention has always been really good to me. Doug's been fantastic, so I always try to release several new products this time of year. It's kind of our big release point, as it were. Uh, so this year we've got uh, uh, A1 Path of the Slave Masters, okay. where we're sequel series to TSR's classic Slave Lord series. Oh, okay. Um, without stepping all over their IP, but it's that's the idea. Uh, we've got, uh, we've re, kind of redone the Palace of the Vampire Queen. We reprinted it a year, two years ago now, and uh, we did some modification to it back then. We did a first edition conversion, and what we're doing now is we're taking it level by level uh -huh. and really flushing it out and kind of making it a standalone, each level its own standalone okay. kind of product, so you got a nice... It deserves it. it w whether I'm the guy to do it or not, you know, everyone can judge that. But um, it's the first module ever produced for the D&D game, period. Okay. And it deserves to be out there. Get get the get to do what it's due, I should say. Yep. Absolutely. I keep staring at the posters. I keep staring at the one with the frog. Uh, oh, yeah. That is Legacy of the Forbidden City, which was a tournament we ran here last year. Mm -hmm. Which uh, again is a sequel to TSR's original I1, uh, yeah. Dwellers of the Forbidden City. Yeah. So, which was also a tournament adventure when it was first written. Okay. So we did a basically 50 years later, what's going on in the Forbidden City kind of thing, spin on it. Ran it as a tournament here last year. Now it's a full full fledged uh, module. It's 36 to 40 pages long, and it's it's mm -hmm. it's a nice chunk. So. Yeah. I mean, you got. Those are really nice covers. You get some really, I appreciate really good it. artists working for you. And, you know, we try to vary them, but I've got three or four guys that just do a fantastic job. Yeah. And uh, they bring, you know, whatever I, you know, we write or put down on paper, We, you know, it is what it is. But they bring them to life. Yeah. You know, they really do. They do. Um, I was curious about, curious about the solo adventure you have there. Yep, uh, we're just uh, I3, uh, Ruins of the Red Moon is, is out. Is that your it's first our, solo? It's our third solo dungeon, third. and in it's, uh, we call it our I series for individual. Mm -hmm. um, that works. So you've got uh, I1, 2, and 3, and I1's a first level solo dungeon, I2 second, and <coughs> I3's third level. Okay. And uh, they're connected. You don't have to play them in a series, okay. but if you want, you can play it. They're going to go all the way through seventh level, and uh, it's a, each dungeon you're basically going to go up a level. Right. Generally, um, so they're uh, sort of connected with a kind of a loose storyline all the way through, but you don't need to play them all together. You can and drop you can, any and character. You also do the monster and treasure collections too. Yes, and that is uh, while some of these are more business-ish for me to do. I mean, you, you you do it from both ends. You want to create a nice product, but you want to you don't want to lose your lunch doing it. The, <laughs> the monster and treasure. When I decided to do those, um, it had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. They're just fun. They're just fun for me. It's yeah. I enjoy doing them. 
they're uh, that's a big seller, isn't it? It is a very big seller, and we uh, it's funny. It's uh, like lightning in a bottle with those things. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very simple. It's it's uh, if you want to draw your own map, you could take a set of dice out and you can populate your dungeon oh, by just wow. rolling dice all the way. It's got all the charts in there. Mm -hmm. Populate your dungeon. They also each one's got a uh, got a sample map with anywhere between 50 and 60 rooms, mm -hmm. and we've populated the whole thing and give them little storylines and that kind of thing, kind of like it's a sample dungeon. Yeah. And uh, they're all connected. There's going to be nine when they're done. Six are out right now. Stairs connect all the levels. There's some very loose storylines that connect mm -hmm. certain levels and certain creatures to other levels. And uh, when it's done, you're going to have a nine-level mega dungeon, probably going to have, right now we're averaging 50 to 55 rooms per level. So you're probably looking at times nine, you know, 450, give or take, rooms you by know, time I'm it's done. I'm not a big, I'm not a big, like, I'm not going to say mega dungeon, but big sure. dungeon fan. I usually like to yep. keep it, like, maybe 12 rooms. Yep. But I love taking these bigger ones, and you can chop them up. Absolutely. Smaller. You know, yep. just use this part and just use that part. Yep, and the, the first few Monster and Treasures are... They're monster hotels, so it's probably a little more difficult, honestly, to do something like that. But as you get into the other ones, they are kind of segmented. You've got various monster factions or creatures mm -hmm. doing this and this and this section of dungeon. Right. you got something else over here doing this. So uh, they're choppable. Um, we also do a line of modules that are designed for what you're speaking of. They're a Q-series module. Um, they're called Q for quick play. Basically, you can play them in a night. Okay. And they are anywhere between 10 to 15, maybe 20 encounters max. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, the Circus Maximus game back there going nuts. Circus oh, yeah. Maximus rolling, yeah. yeah, fun. Yeah. So yeah, the Q series is kind of a one night. Uh, you know, Frog Guy does their one night stand module, same kind of yeah. idea. Friday so, night uh, fight. Thing. Yep, you can pick them apart, and it's it, it's easy to, to tear them up and put them in together your campaign. You can do a campaign yep. too. You can string them together if you like. They're not connected, they're not directly connected, but you could if you want. Now, wanted. what's this Blood Cult thing you have? Yeah, now, this box set. Blood Cult's our first box set, and. Uh, I started working on the Blood Cult in my own campaign probably 20 years ago, and uh, basically the Blood Cult is an organization who's dedicated to the destruction of all arcane magic. Arcane magic falls under the providence of anything that's not clerical. So illusionist magic users, magic items, and the cult is designed to destroy. They, they want to rid your campaign world of all of it. Uh, of course, they're kind of a nefarious organization. Well, yeah. But they... Uh, They've got a lot of popular support because they basically go into these, go into cities and they've got public speakers which will go on the score and say, hey, what has a magic user ever done for you other than bring you, you know, uh, misery? They take your kids, put them in a school, you never see them again. All they do is search for magic and knowledge and they keep it to themselves. So they're kind of like a, you know, they got a PR campaign behind them. And uh, they're even off, they'll even offer citizens rewards for turning in magic users and that kind of thing. So... They've got, uh, uh, they've got their own creatures that can hunt magic users down. They've got, it's loaded with new spells, clerical magic items designed to basically wipe magic users out. And uh, if you want to throw a wrench in your campaign, that's what the Blood Cult's there to do. Matt is not hearing about this. Yeah, he better not hear him to throw that in your game. What does it retail for? It retails for 59 here at NTX, it's 49 bucks. Oh, wow. So if you come down here, you can get it as a special. You get a deal. Yeah. By the time you hear this, it'll be too late. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well mention you, whatever. I'm not going to. Mention Glenn and you can get. Uh, uh, $69. Yeah, it'll be $69 <laughs> if you mention DM Glenn. Add $10 to it. Yeah. <laughs> Paysetter. We'll throw something in for that. How's that sound? Yeah. Paysettergames.com? 
PaySetterGames.com. And the, uh, prices of modules, what do they range from? 10 to 15 bucks. We try to keep everything reasonable. we got a couple that might float up around 19 right. If you're paying 19 bucks for something, That's it's a big. Price. It's going to be a big product. You're talking probably uh, anywhere between 16 and 70 pages. Gotcha. Oh, uh, the box set, I forgot to ask. Does it come with dice or I'm sorry? the box set? What does it come with? Box that comes with three adventure modules, uh -huh. all right. a blood cult supplement book, which tells you everything you need to know about the blood cult. All their, it's got uh, about a dozen different cultists, new monsters, about 20 new magic items, a bunch of new spells. My favorite called Flame Mage. You can use your imagination what that does. Um, it comes with 14 cardstock maps, two color maps, and an addendum sheet. Nice. Wow, excellent. That could be a whole campaign in itself. It could, it could be, be a whole campaign in itself. In fact, uh, you could you probably got several weeks of playing time just with what's in the box as far as scenarios go. Yeah. That is great. And then, uh, it's, like I said, it's designed to augment your campaign or add to it, not, not to necessarily take it over. Yeah. Your DM will be buying this. Yes. I mean, he's already going to buy Cthulhu Wars just to inflict the monsters on us, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. Well, Bill, we appreciate you stopping by. Hey, yeah. thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank appreciate you, it. It's nice talking it's to you. Always nice seeing you here. Or anywhere for that matter. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Any kind of publicity? Any publicity we can give you, we're happy to do it. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're about supporting. Yeah. About supporting the. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's part of the reason why we do this. Absolutely. It's getting a little loud in here. Absolutely. So. You're sounding like Brian. Absolutely. Oh, wait, I have to say, um, will you guys get a room? <laughs> okay, we're back at the NTRPG Con here in 2014. I'm DM Glenn. we got DM Vince with me. Yo. Say something. I said yo. Okay. And we're with Tyler Morrison from uh, Trollboard uh, Games. Trollboard Games, that's right. Yeah, I'm just kind of an average uh, fanboy of role-playing games and everything Star Wars comics and whatnot. You know, I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and... I kept on with the role-playing games and whatnot and met these guys. Uh, they've been around since about 1999, 2000. Met them in the con circuit back in uh, 2003. Mm -hmm. They were then doing a product for D&D 3rd Edition. Yeah. Even working with Gary Gygax uh, for a couple of years at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, I would see them for a couple more years at cons. Saw them again and they had decided they were going to break away from 3rd Edition, if you know about the open gaming license, all that kind of thing, where people were putting out product through the D&D system. They were more old school fantasy guys, 1st uh, and 2nd Edition kind of thing. Uh, and they wanted to take the best of that and the best of some of the later era of gaming infused with their own original mechanics to make a very playable role-playing game, and not just roll R-O-L-L all the time. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes in the earlier editions, I think maybe they got a little too clunky or convoluted in some of the rules, even as innovative as they were. I mean, look at hit points and armor class, for example. We're still looking at that today, you oh, know, yeah. and computer games, and we will from here on out. But... Uh, Getting back to what they were kind of doing, they really kind of sold me on Castles and Crusades when they were making this change from their third edition product over to that system. Kind of embodied some of first and second edition, and they used more of that ascending armor class for those familiar oh, yeah. uh, of third edition and, and so forth. And uh, it just kind of returns to the roots, and I, I continue to buy their product as a fan for, for years and years, Gen Con, other places. Is this, is this your first uh, North Texas RPG Con? It is our first one. They had tried to get uh, somebody in the years before I was selling for Troll 
uh, and it just didn't pan out that year to get over here. Uh, we got it worked out this year, and the, well, the staff's just been you know great, and it's a natural fit for us because we're in that old school vein. Uh, the Troll Lords themselves, they obviously they put in, I think it was six, eight years with Gary Gygax before his regrettable passing in 2008. And then, um, you know, James Ward, uh, uh, Metamorphosis Alpha, Gamma World, Deities and Demigods, all those things. He did work with them off and on on different products, even as late as last year. Okay. So, Castles and Crusades. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go. No, I thought you were going to say something. Castles and Crusades is pretty much, it, I used to have the original book. And... Uh, 2005, 2005, probably. yes. I bought it. I was getting kind of tired of D20. I was looking for something different. And right. They said that they could, um, you could take any edition and convert it to Castles and Crusades and use it. And I would say particularly with the earlier editions, right. I think it's an easier process, yeah. yes. Which which I ended up liking. Mm -hmm. um, I got the CNC got kind of away from me for a few years here, and uh, but I'm still looking at it again. You know, it's got some good ideas in the siege, the siege engine, is that it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Siege engine system is a pretty solid system. Yeah, it just, you know, as far as your attribute roles and just other things, if you're trying to sneak past an adversary and adding their hit dice into whatever the, the challenge you know, level is of the of the task, it's that simple. And then you're doing combat, just, you know, adding bonus to hit and adding your uh, strength or a dexterity mod. I mean, it's that simple. Sure, in any game you can have spells where maybe some spells are more descriptive where you've got to think them out or a few things like that. But other than that, you know, CNC just keeps it simple all throughout. Even when you read their combat section in their main book, between the siege engine attribute checks that we talked about and the combat and the turn undead and all those things, saving throws, it's all contained in, you know, a relatively short amount of pages. It's not slogging through uh, 80 pages, you know, with, with too much crunch. So that's that's the beauty of CNC and just you know how old school it is. It just combines enough elements in their own infusions to to make a very playable game. And they've they've done quite well. I and I'm I'm speaking also as a fan because I mean I literally you know, I met them in 03, been playing the game since 05. It became my D and D so to speak. And you, if you remember the old, uh, I always say this, if you remember the old Razor uh, Company commercials, I don't know which company it was, but the guy said, I liked it so much I bought the company. Yeah. Well, I didn't buy the company, but I, I liked <laughs> CNC so much I, I offered to sell for them, and they were real nice enough because I'd been long-distance acquaintances with them for, for years, and back in 2010, I called Stephen and kind of stayed in touch with them anyway from time to time and said, you guys aren't getting out to as many cons except for Gen Con and Gary Gygax's uh, uh, Gary Khan. Memorial Con, Gary Khan. Yeah, Gary Khan. But other than that, they, they're, they're so busy printing books and shipping books. You're the CEO, the janitor, and everything <laughs> down there, the artist, the writer. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, how about I go to some places, especially in my backwoods in Missouri, maybe Tennessee, other places, and then it's led to other things. And so I go out five to ten times a year for sure, and I, and I do it passionately. You know, I, I like the product, and then I still can yak at people for hours, so. As you know. All right, for those listening and not knowing about Castles of Crusade coming out from under the rock, what do they need? What do they need to pick up to start playing right away? Really, if you if you already make your own adventures and you don't buy published adventures, you can get a player's handbook and a monster and treasure. Player's handbook will take you up to at least level twelve as far as the classes. You'll have arguments with people about. Some people say, well, once you get past twelve, it's too too big and convoluted in any game anyway. As in the person, I don't yeah. Know about that. And we do have your option for that in the Castle Keeper's Guide, incidentally, for higher levels. You've been selling this flip book over there. Kind of cool. Yeah, we're, we're in between printings right now. Uh, we had a very successful Kickstarter, 
$10,000 for a smaller company. That is fantastic. Yeah. So we're getting all three books in full color. Maybe August, knock on wood, uh, to where people can see these in, in full color. Uh, but presently, they're out of print for the most part. Uh, the, the flip book you're talking about, uh, a guy that works in their print shop, Mark Sandy, uh, he kind of assembles some of the books and whatnot. He comes to their game table in Arkansas back, I don't know, 2009 or 2010, I'm not sure. And he says, look what I've got, guys. And it's a player's handbook on one side and a monster and treasure on the other. And, of course, monster and treasure is the other book you want. It covers enough of the mainstay creatures, your goblins, your dragons, your orcs, trolls, and stuff yeah, yeah and you can I'm largely do it out of that. I mean, sure, we have 35 to 40 published adventures. We keep a very nice pricing point, I think. A lot of our adventures are under $10. Oh, wow. Have, that's good. Yeah, $10 seems to be that's, an industry that's good. norm. And I'm not knocking anybody else, no. but ours are in black and white typically on the interiors. The production values are good. And there's a lot of good page count in most of those, 20 to 30 pages. Uh, so there is that, but you, at the end of the day, you can do the Monster and Treasure and the Player's Handbook. And, and I understand you've been Expanding to other genres also? Oh, yeah. Over the years, uh, one that we've done lately is uh, Amazing Adventures. There's a freelancer, Jason Vay. Uh, he even did a little work on one of the source books for Doctor Who uh, with Cubicle 7 out of England. But he's done a variety of work, and uh, he did one for us called Amazing Adventures. And it's essentially the pulp era. It's Indiana Jones, The Rocketeer, uh, The Mummy, whatever, you know, those kind of movies. Right up your alley, Glenn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's very it's it's very much a part of the Siege family. There are some variations, whereas you might have opposed roles in that game, or you have a little more customization where you can trade out some of a class's ability, like a socialite could trade out their emboldened for medicine, or or the raider, which is the Indiana Jones class essentially, could trade out his crypto linguist for. Uh, something about animal handling. So there's that. There's also some, and you've seen this in many games, even as far back as James Bond and Star Wars West End, where you can have re-rolls yeah. sometimes. Uh, James Bond for sure did yes. that with the hero points. Well, they've got kind of a hero point or a luck or a fate point. I'm trying to think which one it's called now. Essentially, you can re-roll and you can change the circumstances and work things in your favor. So there's that as well. There's an adventure in the back of the book. There's all the the bestiary from gray aliens to uh, dinosaurs and in between. Yeah. And there's a lot of support material. Okay. We've got adventures and everything. Yeah, all kinds of action adventure. Yeah. yeah. Still going to be continue to be supported. Might become a hardcover book. And they're also, I think, working on a companion book yeah. as well. You've got that here, too. That's what. Oh, yeah. $24.95. Yeah, oh, yeah. And we're doing a bundle deal. You know, uh, all those products, I think, are like $59 combined. Our character sheets, the adventures, and everything. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it for $45 at the con for those if, for those deal. interested. Not a bad deal. 45 at the con. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a nice, nice, uh, amazing adventures, yes. <laughs> so how are you enjoying the con so far? Love it. I, I, I love going to cons. Of course, in, you know, in the 80s and 90s, or I guess 80s in particular, I was a lot younger, so there wasn't much opportunity to go hit cons in St. Louis, but you don't even have a driver's license. So didn't do a lot of that back then except for a couple of classic Who conventions. But by about the uh, late 90s and especially 2000s, I've been hitting cons like crazy, you know. An anti-RPG, it's, it's like some of these, like, I've been to one Gary Con, very much like that. You're, it's a TSR bonanza. Yeah. I mean, there's everybody you want. And, and, and game hold Madison, Wisconsin, I'll throw a plug in for them. I went to last year's event. We're coming again this year. I mean, it, all three of these cons, what else can you say? I mean, it's just everything you want. It's an intimate gathering. All these TSR guys and some of these other guests are just super nice. And it's just, it's you know, it's just old school, and, and, and it's very much a fit for us. Yeah, that's great. 
That is great. Well, thanks for thanks for talking to us. Hey, I appreciate it. Check us out at uh, trolllord.com, Castles and Crusades on Facebook as well. Okay. One more time. Plug it one more time. There was a lot of noise in the background. Website one more time. Yeah, our website is uh, Trolllord Games. Or, excuse me. Website is uh, Trolllord. <laughs> Take three. Uh, check us out at trollord.com. We've had the forums there. We have an online store. You can talk to people about the game. We're also on Twitter and I believe Google Plus and definitely Facebook, uh, which is Castles Crusades on Facebook. That's great. Well, thanks for coming Thank by. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, that's a great interview. Thank you. Take care now. Thanks for taking the time, Tyler. I appreciate it. No, no. All right, we're sitting down with Eric Tanker from Tanker's Tavern. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing very good, thank you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your blog? Yes, please. Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. It's been up for about five years at this point. I have way too many posts, and I probably post way too many times, uh, multiple times a day. Uh, I've met a lot of my blog readers here, including somebody who pointed out to me that I looked uh, more scruffy in person than he expected. So I made my wife made sure I showered and shaved this morning. So yeah. kind of covered that base. But uh, I'm very surprised about how many people I've met that I've known online and I've met here for the first time. Is this your first North Texas RPG con? This is my first North Texas RPG con. It's my first con since Gen Con of '93. Wow. So just over 20 years. Yeah. Wow. That's He's coming all the way in from New York too. Elmhurst, New York. Wow. Yeah. No, all the way from New York. No, it says Elmhurst, New York. Oh, okay. That's what you're saying. Yes. New York City. Well, oh, outer borough of New York City. Yeah. Queens. That's all right. We won't hold it against you. Not at all. You won't hold it against me being from L.A. That's okay. I can live with it. So it seems that you are now the leading authority for OSR stuff as far as people looking to advice, reviews. Really? Uh... You want to know something, OSR? You look at his blog now. Oh, let's not talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn. I wouldn't say the ultimate authority. I, I know I'm a destination for a lot of people. I, I, I know I have a voice. But the OSR does not have a leadership. It doesn't have a, a one-stop shopping. Never did. And anybody who attempts to do that is just going to do it themselves. I don't make that attempt. Just one voice of many. I might, I might be a louder voice than many. But I'm just one voice. You get a lot more people. You also have your uh, Google Plus, uh, your 2,000 coppers. Yes, I got my 2,000 coppers community on Google Plus, and I will say I'm very surprised that over 8,000 people follow me on Google Plus because I can't figure out why, but I appreciate it. And very shortly, he'll have his own OSR podcast oh. uh, with Jason Paul McCartan. Uh, should be uh, in about four to six weeks. WOSR, you call it? WOR. What you WOSR? That was WOSR. This is not through Wildcat, right? No, it's his, his own production. Oh, well, can I come on your show? Of course. <laughs> I think uh, Zach Laser should be one of our first guests. Zach? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was in his game the, uh, last night. Well, here, ask me a question. I'll tell you how he's going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, sure. It's a, it's a real good thing. <laughs> He ran a very good game last night. I can't, I can't complain, man. It was really well done. Nah, he's, he does good work, and I uh, picked up some of uh, his artists, Lloyd, Lloyd Metcalf. Yes, I, I picked up uh, one of the uh, pencil and uh, watercolors he did, and I picked up one of the prints. 
And I, of course, I've picked up some Doug Kovacs work, too. So. Oh, he's good, too. Yeah. As Glenn is reaching into a goodie basket over here to have some snacks. And cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls, yeah. Oh, the sticky buns. Sticky buns. I'm, 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 being, a, I'm a, being a scrounger this morning. I've been eating cold pizza and old cinnamon rolls, and so I feel like a buzzard. Or, or a cop. That's basically how I used to uh, live out of a sector yeah. car when I was a rookie. Yeah. yeah. Cold pizza is breakfast of champions, I'll tell you. It works. You can't complain. It is food. It is tasty. Yeah, and thank you, Steve Marsh, for the cinnamon rolls. And Steve Marsh passed out the cinnamon rolls past the table here. And then I'll go up to my room. Nice to meet you. Out. So, Eric, uh, tell us, what were you most looking forward to coming to this con? Uh, actually, watching my wife role-play in a group for the first time. Wow. That's right, yeah. He brought his wife, and she really enjoys it. She's a big RFI fan. Yeah. That's the only reason why he listens to RFI because she makes him listen to it in the car. We we listened and uh, I was listening Tinker, to it. Would you make him listen to Sod, please? Easter Sunday, commuting back from my uh, in-laws, I had it on, on. She was listening to it. She's like, "This is a really good podcast. I'm really enjoying listening to. It. I don't even know gaming that well, but I'm learning from listening. It's very approachable. That's good. That's what so, we aim for. Very approachable. Really? you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, my wife surprised me because we were in a uh, Tim Snyder ran uh, Time Master session on Thursday night. I figured Time Master was a good game because nobody would know the rules. I had them box set from way back when, but nobody playing today really will know the rules. So she was coming in with no baggage and nobody else had any baggage. Yeah. And halfway through the session, she has somebody in the half Nelson. She's dislocating the shoulders, and she's, like, interrogating for information. I'm like, she's already learned torture. Now she, all she has to do is set things on fire, and she's full-on OSR. That's <laughs> yeah, a pretty good Yeah, really. <laughs> for craziness of the game. Oh, so you booked up the, this weekend for games? Uh, I try to not book up because they're long sessions. And I, I really wanted to be able to walk around the con, meet people, and actually enjoy the atmosphere. I but the entire cons are not doing anything. Just walking around and schmoozing and just yeah. stuff. Yeah, so it was a game on uh, Thursday night. It was uh, Whisper and Venom last night. How was that? It was very good. Zach ran an excellent game. Uh, again, my wife was with me. Her first time playing anything OSR. Mm -hmm. Only her second time really role-playing in a group. She dove right in. She had a great time. Zach ran a really, really good game. And then uh, this morning we were in Matt Finch's uh, Mrs. Tower game. So that was her, what? Now she's, you know, she's here for three days. She's role-played three times. And we had a really good time. That's good. That's good. But you guys really haven't, this is a good time. Good con, have a good time. Yeah, and it's a good size. Um, when it comes to Gen Con, I, when I went, it was probably 18,000 people. I know they're way over 40, probably 45 more. Uh -huh. uh, that is too much. It's too big. I mean, I come from like you know New York City. I, I like it small, and this is a perfect size. Yeah. Well, he used to go, Vince usually used to go to Mepicon every six months. Mepicon, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. It's uh, right in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania. And that was pretty small, wasn't it? That was around this size. Okay. It's a good size. I, was in, I, I was really like this. Could do it, they could do it every six months. Yeah, they, the con was every, every six, six months. Yeah. Every six months. We're in, we're in Northeast PA. Uh, they did it in, up towards um, Scranton area. 
Oh, okay. It's a decent area to do, and it's a big enough city. Oh, yeah, right by the airport. So. Yeah. And you said, oh, so it's about this size. They had, like, about this many dealers. Dealers? No, they only had maybe like two or three. None of like oh, like these like pace setter games or or uh, Troll Lord or Black. No, no one really. They had some just local like vendors come in. They had a couple of local artists and uh, authors that usually came to the con, but nothing like this. Mostly it was just gaming. You went there, you gamed. Okay. They had an RPGA room dedicated to RPGA. Okay. But there was just whatever game you wanted. You could find a bunch of old school. I played in the first edition game every six months with the same guy. Every really? Season. It was just an ongoing campaign every six yeah, months. They actually had gaming groups who would meet there every six months. Just, you know. Yeah. Same people were coming a, in and play the same characters every six months. That's a beautiful thing. I know uh, Joe Block is trying to you know, set up an old school con Oswarf? at Dexcon. Yeah, at Dexcon. Uh, I plan on going. It's July 4th and 5th. Well, you're right in the area. It's right in Jersey. I'm right there yeah. anyway. Uh, we'll see if Rachel joins me for that one. She might. She's having. She's already told me we're coming back next year, but we got to come back uh, a day or two earlier so we can actually explore Dallas as opposed to just doing a con. Dallas is huge. The airport is huge. Mm-hmm. So you're coming in from Elmhurst. Have you been to Gary Con? No. No, I've never been to Gary Con. That's that's like our counterpart up north. Right. Right. I. I Doug Kovacs was telling me I really, really have to go. I tell so. people, you're in Texas without so much heat. <laughs> well, it's in the middle of winter time up in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, so I would guess it wouldn't be that hot. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think they're moving there because too much competition, like August and stuff with Gen Con and all the other cons. That's the reason why they put it then. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah that's oh. what I said. Yeah. Right? What? Oh.